0: Section 20 of the Myths of the New World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Annabel Castaño. The Myths of the New World by Daniel Brinton. Chapter 7, Part 2. There are indeed some points of striking similarity between the deluge myths of Asia and America. It has been called a peculiarity of the latter, that in them the person saved is always the first man. This, though not without exception, is certainly the general rule. But these first men were usually the highest deities known to their nations, the only creators of the world and the guardians of the race. Moreover, in the oldest Sanskrit legend of the flood, in the Satapatha Brahmana, Manu is also the first man and by his own efforts creates offspring. A later Sanskrit work assigns to Manu the seven riches or shining ones as companions, Seven was also the number of persons in the Ark of Noah. Curiously enough, one Mexican and one early Peruvian myth give out exactly seven individuals as saved in their floods. This coincidence arises from the mystic powers attached to the number seven, derived from its frequent occurrence in astrology. Proof of this appears by comparing the later and the older versions of this myth, either in the book of Genesis, where the latter is distinguished by the use of the word Elohim for Jehovah, or the Sanskrit account in the Satapatha Brahmana with those in the later Puranas. In both instances, the number 7 hardly or at all occurs in the oldest version, while it is constantly repeated in those of later dates. As the mountain, or rather mountain chain, of Ararat was regarded with veneration wherever the Semitic counts were known, so in America heights were pointed out with becoming reverence as those on which the few survivors of the dreadful scenes of the deluge were preserved. On the Red River, near the village of the Catos, was one of these, a small natural eminence to which all the indian tribes for a great distance around pay devout homage according to dr sibley the cerro nastarni on the rio grande the peak of old suñi in new mexico that of colhuacan on the pacific coast mount apoala in upper mixteca and mount Neva in the province of guaymi are some of many elevations asserted by the neighboring nations to have been places of refuge for their ancestors when the fountains of the great deep broke forth. One of the Mexican traditions related by Torquemada identified this with the mountain of Tlaloc in the terrestrial paradise, and added that one of the seven demigods who escaped commenced the Pyramid of Cholula in its memory. He intended that its summit should reach the clouds, but the gods, angry at his presumption, drove away the builders with lightning. This has a suspicious resemblance to Bible stories. Equally fabulous was the retreat of the Araucanians. It was a three-peaked mountain, which had the property of floating on water, called Tek-Tek, the Thunderer. This, they believed, would preserve them in the next as it did in the last cataclysm, and, as its only inconvenience was that it approached too near the sun, they always kept on hand wooden bowls to use as parasols. The intimate connection that once existed between the myths of the deluge and those of the creation is illustrated by the part assigned to birds in so many of them. They fly to and fro over the waves ere any land appears, though they lose in great measure the significance of bringing it forth attached to them in the cosmogonies as emblems of the divine spirit. The dove, in the Hebrew account, appears in that of the Algonquins, as a raven, which Michabos sent out to search for land before the muskrat brought it to him from the bottom, a raven also in the atapascan myth saved their ancestors from the general flood and in this instance it is distinctly identified with the mighty thunderbird who at the beginning ordered the earth from the depths prometheus like it brought fire from heaven and saved them from a second death by cold precisely the same beneficent actions were attributed by the Natchez to the small red cardinal bird, and by the Mandans and Cherokees an active participation in the event was assigned to wild pigeons. The Navajos and Aztecs thought that instead of being drowned by the waters, the human race were transformed into birds and thus escaped. In all these and similar legends, the bird is a relic of the cosmogonal myth which explained the origin of the world from the action of the winds under the image of the bird on the primeval ocean the mexican codex vaticanus number 3738 represents after the picture of the deluge a bird perched on the summit of a tree and at its foot men in the act of marching this has been interpreted to mean that after the deluge men were dumb until a dove distributed to them the gift of speech. The New Mexican tribes related that all except the leader of those who escaped to the mountains lost the power of utterance by terror, and the quiches that the antediluvian race were puppets, men of wood without intelligence or language these stories so closely resembling that of the confusion of tongues at the tower of babel or borsipa are of doubtful authenticity the first is an entirely erroneous interpretation as has been shown by señor ramirez director of the museum of antiquities at mexico the name of the bird in the aztec tongue was identical with the word departure and this is its signification in the painting. Stories of giants in the days of old, figures of mighty proportions looming up through the mist of ages, are common property to every nation. The Mexicans and Peruvians had them as well as others, but their connection with the legends of the Flood and the creation is incidental and secondary, were the case otherwise it would offer no additional point of similarity to the Hebrew myth, for the word rendered giants in the phrase, and there were giants in those days, has no such meaning in the original. It is a blunder which crept into the Septuagint and has been cherished ever since along with so many others in the received text. A few specimens will serve as examples of all these American flood myths. The Abebra Sir has translated one from the Codex Chimalpopoca, a work in the Nahuatl language of ancient Mexico, written about half a century after the conquest. It is as follows. And this year was that of Secalli, and on the first day all was lost. The mountain itself was submerged in the water, and the water remained tranquil for fifty-two springs. Now, towards the close of the year, Titlawan had forewarned the man named Nata and his wife named Nena, saying, Make no more pulque, but straightway hollow out a large cypress and enter it when, in the month Tosostli, the water shall approach the sky. They entered it, and when Titlakawan had closed the door, he said, Thou shalt eat but a single ear of maize, and thy wife but one also. As soon as they had finished eating, they went forth, and the water was tranquil, for the log did not move any more, and opening it they saw many fish. Then they built a fire, rubbing together pieces of wood, and they roasted the fish. The gods, Sitlalhinikwe and Sitlalhatonac, looking below, exclaimed, Divine Lord, what means that fire below? Why do they thus smoke the heavens? Straight away descended Titlacawan Tezcatlipoca and commenced to scold, saying, What is this fire doing here? And seizing the fishes, he moulded their hinder parts, and changed their heads, and they were at once transformed into dogs. That, found in the oft-quoted legends of the Quiches is to this effect, then, by the will of the heart of heaven, the waters were swollen, and a great flood came upon the mannequins of wood, for they did not think nor speak of the Creator, who had created them, and who had caused their birth. They were drowned, and a thick resin fell from heaven. The bird sekot Kovach tore out the rice, the bird Kamulats cut off their heads, the bird kotzbalam devoured their flesh, the bird Tecumbalam broke their bones and sinews and ground them into powder. Because they had not thought of their mother and father, the heart of heaven, whose name is Huracan, therefore the face of the earth grew dark and a pouring rain commenced, raining by day, raining by night. Then all sorts of beings, little and great, gathered together to abuse the men to their faces, and all spoke their millstones, their plates, their caps, their dogs, their hens. Said the dogs and hens, very badly have you treated us, and you have bitten us, now we bite you in turn, said the millstones. Very much were we tormented by you, and daily, daily, night and day, it was squeak, squeak, screech, screech, for your sake. Now yourselves shall feel our strength, and we will grind your flesh, and make meal of your bodies, said the millstones. And this is what the dogs said. Why did you not give us our food? no sooner did we come near than you drove us away and the stick was always within reach when you were eating because forsooth we were not able to talk now we will use our teeth and eat you said the dogs tearing their faces and the cups and dishes said pain and misery you gave us smoking our tops and sides cooking us over the fire "'Burning and hurting us as if we had no feeling. "'Now it is your turn, and you shall burn,' said the Cubs insultingly. "'Then ran the men hither and thither in despair. "'They climbed to the roofs of the houses, "'but the houses crumbled under their feet. "'They tried to mount to the tops of the trees, "'but the trees hurled them far from them.' They sought refuge in the caverns, but the caverns shut before them. Thus was accomplished the ruin of this race, destined to be destroyed and overthrown. Thus were they given over to destruction and contempt. And it is said that their posterity are those little monkeys who live in the woods." The Algonkin tradition has often been referred to. Many versions of it are extant, the oldest and most authentic of which is that translated from the Montagnier dialect by Father Lejeune in 1634. One day as Messou was hunting, the wolves, which he used as dogs, entered a great lake and were detained there. Messou Looking for them everywhere, a bird said to him, I see them in the middle of this lake. He entered the lake to rescue them, but the lake overflowing its banks covered the land and destroyed the world. Mesu, very much astonished at this, sent out the raven to find a piece of earth wherewith to rebuild the land. But the bird could find none. Then he ordered the otter to dive for some, but the animal returned empty. At last he sent down the muskrat, who came back with ever so small a piece, which, however, was enough for Mesu to form the land on which we are. The trees, having lost their branches, he shot arrows at their naked trunks, which became their limbs revenged himself on those who had detained his wolves and having married the muskrat by it peopled the world finally may be given the meagre legend of the tupis of brazil as heard by hans staden a prisoner among them about fifteen fifty and coreal a later voyager their ancient songs relate that a long time ago a certain very powerful mair that is to say a stranger who bitterly hated their ancestors compassed their destruction by a violent inundation only a very few succeeded in escaping some by climbing trees others in caves when the waters subsided the remnant came together, and by gradual increase populated the world. Or, it is given by an equally ancient authority as follows. Monan, without beginning or end, author of all that is, seeing the ingratitude of men and their contempt for him who had made them thus joyous, withdrew from them, and sent upon them Tata the divine fire, which burned all that was on the surface of the earth. He swept about the fire in such a way that in places he raised mountains, and in others dug valleys. Of all men, one alone, Irin Monge, was saved, whom Monan carried into the heaven. He, seeing all those things destroyed, spoke thus to monan wilt thou also destroy the heavens and their garniture alas henceforth where will be our home why should i live since there is none other of my kind then monan was so filled with pity that he poured a deluging rain on the earth which quenched the fire and flowing from all sides formed the ocean which we call Paraná, the bitter waters. End of section 20. Recording by Annabel Castaño.